On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss a movie whose main character is a detective in a flashy outfit. His personal life is troubled and he has difficulty connecting with others. The villain is a little crazy and takes full control of the city's criminal organizations. The villain also kidnaps the hero's girlfriend and eventually falls to his death. And all of this is set to a score written by Danny Elfman. Wait, didn't we already do Batman? On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Dick Tracy. Nice. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and joining me in the co-host chair today, I got a duo of them. First off, from the 80s flick flashback podcast, please welcome Tim Williams. Just call me kid. I'd rather not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also, all the way from the frozen tundra, please welcome Chad Smith. We're going to break this down, see? all right so we are talking about uh the 1999 classic dick tracy 1990 1990 what did i say 99 99 oh 99 okay i'm sorry uh 19 yeah 1990 classic dick tracy uh and again classic with a question mark uh we'll get into we'll get into all of that we are all of the age where this was a Probably a pivotal movie for us, kind of the way Batman was the year before in 89. So let, let's start with that. So, Tim, what was your uh, experience with this movie? Like, did you know he was a comic book character? I mean, I had definitely I'd seen the comic strips in the newspaper. I mean, I was I, I was avid in the comics section of, a you know, your especially Sunday, Sunday newspaper more than during the uh, week. Um, so. I'm pretty sure there were still some of those comics around that I probably saw. So I did, I did know the character somewhat, uh, but I was of course pulled in by the huge marketing campaign, which of course they patterned after 1989's Batman with a lot of the logo and that type of marketing for the merchandising, which uh, was huge. And so that kind of, I was sucked in just by the marketing I can't really say I was a big Warren Beatty fan, uh, but of course Madonna was still one of the biggest pop stars at, of the time. So, and she had songs in it, and you knew she was going to sing in it. So that was going to be a draw as well. And I, just to go ahead and throw this trivia out, she made an entire album yep. that was just inspired by this movie, and I had which the song Vogue, Vogue yeah, is, came um, from. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. arguably had, her I most had, famous song. Yeah, I had the CD. I did. Yeah, how about you, Chad? Oh man, I think me and you actually talked about this on a previous podcast about uh, trying to remember which came first, Batman or or Dick Tracy. And I just, my childhood is colored in yellow and black, I feel like. Like, it's (laughs) just like, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, They both were huge. And, uh, you know, we're definitely going to get into it, but this uh, was marketed as like a children's movie. This is a Disney movie. And, man. Touchstone. (laughs) Touchstone. Eventually it became Touchstone. Yeah, but it it was very much a Disney. When Disney doesn't doesn't really want their name on it, (laughs) right? Touchstone Pictures. Very much marketed to kids. And uh, I think this was a very classic, like 80s, early 90s, of where my parents rented this movie, having never seen it before, mm-hmm. and left us with pizza and a babysitter. And I watched this at like nine years old. And so, 
But anyways. Well, I mean, Ruby watched it uh, while I was watching it, although she was on her, her Kindle mm-hmm. the entire time, so I don't know how much she actually did watch. But uh, And she's nine. Yeah. So. And awesome. I mean, when this movie came out, I was nine. Yep. I, I, I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think, I like you, I saw it once it came out on to rent from blockbuster but i loved it yeah i i wanted the toys the oh, the really oddly the shaped toys <laughs> oh, oh yeah dude, everybody dude, wanted that the watch. Was the yeah coolest. who didn't want the watch i want the watch now what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, ha- we have the watches now yeah, yeah. Apple watch? they're called apple, apple watches, watches. Yeah, exactly <laughs> but uh yeah wanted the watch i I bought we uh, me and Blake talked about this back at Halloween. I dressed as Dick Tracy yeah. for Halloween that year, and yeah, one of the toys I only ever got one. I got Prune Face. That was the <laughs> one and only toy that I got. I'm Good sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they were so oddly shaped toys because yeah. they were manufactured by the same company that was doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And so they had it like the same body mold mm-hmm. of just that stocky. Uh, you know, bow-legged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make any sense. And then the Dick Tracy toy didn't even have a jacket. <laughs> he had the yellow hat, oh, and then that. he just had his, yeah, yeah he just had his black vest, the the red and black striped tie. Yep, no jacket on the toy. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right, so let's get into uh, where this all came from. So for those of you who weren't aware that it was a comic strip... Uh, this movie is based on characters, not a story, but characters, and there there couldn't be any more emphasis on the S at the end of that word. <laughs> characters cow. created by Chester Gould, uh, who wrote and drew the Dick Tracy comic from 1931 all the way until 1977. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the movie was released June 15th, 1990 which means I had just turned nine. It not only stars, but is produced and directed by Warren Beatty. His follow-up to Ishtar. Yeah. His yeah. his Oscar-winning directorial <laughs> Ishtar. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we can call it that. We wouldn't be right, but we can call it that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like I saw yeah. that I saw that movie once. Once. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen it once. Oh man. Uh, so it's one of those weird things like I don't think this movie gets made had he not just won an Oscar on this. I don't think this the, movie gets made if Batman had just not just come yeah, out. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. he Well, it was already being made. Bought, well, it, it had been I mean, it, had been it, it was in production a long time. Yeah. And they yeah. had started in the early 80s trying right. to make it. Right. Uh, Martin well, Scorsese was yeah. was part of it. I uh, love that. Martin Scorsese, Martin Scorsese is so <laughs> the crazy. guy who hates comic yeah. book movies, right? Was almost the director of this one. Well, it it would have been cinema had he made it. So right, oh yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. But uh, and then uh, John Landis was mm-hmm. was the scheduled director, and then a little thing called the Twilight Happen, Zone movie Zone happened. happened. Yeah, a little uh, little <laughs> helicopter incident. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But this, maybe we don't. But honestly, this movie would not have been made unless he was one of the producers because he had to use some of his own money because they said if this movie goes over budget, it's coming out of your salary. 
So he had to put his own money into it. Oh, well, this he was bought the right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So, he, well, oh yeah. There's so much. Yeah. About yeah he that, got but. the rights from tri- uh, Tribune Media. Right. Uh, in '85. Yeah. Yeah. And this was definitely a passion project. I love mm-hmm. though how you almost want to think, well, why didn't he write it? Well, apparently he did, and his <laughs> script sucked. Yeah. So. It seems like a lot of the scripts made for this did not did not turn out well because they well, kept being rewritten. Well, they, they got go with like basically the yeah. it goes with basically the original at the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's go back to the comic. We're jumping like way. <laughs> yeah, we. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. It's, it's going to be that kind of episode. It's going to be one of those. Oh man. But just uh, like no, the movie, I, actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very uneven, very uh, uneven. No, just to get into a little bit more about the the movie. So we were talking about the writing. Ultimately, the script is credited to Jim Cash yeah. and Jack Epps Jr., who wrote Top Gun. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, I don't see no any comparison. connection yeah. between these <laughs> at all. Why would I don't know why Disney or whoever would go, you know what? I think the guys who wrote Top Gun could do this. I don't see it, but okay. Uh, then, of course, we've got the score by Danny Elfman straight off of mm-hmm. uh, his success from Batman. And you can definitely tell he was in a mood yeah. at this time. <laughs> oh, so much of it is pretty stinking yeah. close. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's like you get the you get some of the the notes, you know, like da da, and then it changes. Nah, the, the pan, nah, nah, nah. I mean, uh, the yeah. pan city shots are for sure. Right, it's like the right. same stuff he used for Gotham. Even the scenes yeah. kind of know we're kind of once again jumping over the place, but even at the end, like when uh, Dick Tracy falls through the glass into the oh, yeah. room where Tess yeah. is, and I'm like, this is the exact same music and scene of. Batman coming through the art, the skylight in the skylight. So it's like, I was like, I'm having deja vu, like serious with the music and the shots and everything. So (laughs) yeah, a lot of similarities with Batman. Uh, And then me being the big theater guy impressed Mm -hmm. that uh, five songs, original songs written by Stephen Sondheim. One of them even winning the Oscar. Yeah. For best original. For best original. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of three Oscars, um, this movie won. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yes. Yes, and, and you know, I mean, we were just kind of talking about the the look of it. I mean, that mm-hmm. that was, and we'll we'll get into all of that. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. going to be a lot of my moving panels part because <laughs> yeah. because when we talk about the characters, that's going to be the comic book connection. Yeah, uh, there's no comic book connection with the story, uh, right? Well, so I'll argue that in a minute. Yeah, uh, there's not a strong comic book connection with the story. Well, let's, uh, let's no, get that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll get my my popcorn ready. Maybe you've done a little bit more than I have, but we'll get into that. So before we get into it, though, I want to talk about other comic strip strip movies. Uh, Now, of course, we had the Addams Family television show in the 60s, probably the most successful taking a a comic strip, even though the Addams Family comics were like one panel comics out of the New Yorker. Uh, But you had that. Then we got Flash Gordon in 80. Mm Mm-hmm. You got Popeye in 80. Uh, what, Robert Altman. Like, who in the world would have thought <laughs> that would be a thing? A musical who, version who of Popeye. Who would think Warren Beatty would be a huge Dick Tracy fan? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, you got uh, Annie in 82. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that we have recently discovered, um, Jane and the Lost City in 87. <laughs> right. right. Based off of a UK comic strip. Uh, one that Bethany and I have talked about, Brenda Starr, mm-hmm. which made in 89, but it wasn't released until 92. You've got the one. So now, so now we're after Dick Tracy. Uh, you got one that 
Chad and I have talked about, the Rocketeer yep. in 91. You got Dennis the Menace in 93. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. The Phantom in 96. Then we get into the 2000s Garfield in 04. Yeah. So and would, now, again, I'm only talking live action here. Uh-huh. Right. And then Marmaduke yeah. in Owen 2010. <laughs> That's yeah. So uh, The Shadow was never a strip. Or I don't think it. I think it was, it was just a radio, radio show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't oh, think it was right. ever it was a strip. Yeah, I it was had like the same thought there for a second. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. I, I think it may have got turned into a comic, but after the fact. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I think it was originally just a, a radio. Um, so I bring all those up to ask this: Have they ever been successful with turning a comic book strip into a movie, other than the Adams Family? Because I will say the Adams family has been successful. I would argue that Annie was pretty successful. But was it successful because it was a movie, or, or a was musical? it successful because it was a Broadway musical that then got turned into a movie? Yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's hard to because argue. really the movie is but then, a. But then you could argue the same thing with Adams Family was was because Adams Family being a well, TV show off of the comic strip and then becoming the movies that it's had since then. So, yeah, but I mean, those movies. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, same argument. Mm -hmm. So, so So then the rest of, so what we're saying is you need an intermediary. (laughs) Yeah. Before, (laughs) before going to film. But I mean, you could, I mean, you could still argue a lot, you know, Popeye had a cartoon. Right. Um, Jane and the Lost City had a, well, Jane, the character Mm -hmm. Jane had a, uh, TV show, BBC TV show, uh, back in like the fifties. Brenda Starr, I think there was a movie serial back in the forties or fifties. The Rocketeer wouldn't have had anything. Dennis the Menace had a cartoon. The Phantom had a cartoon. Garfield, of course, uh, you know, very famously had a cartoon. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> right, right. I don't think Marmaduke had anything before. So we're really looking at the Rocketeer. And Marmaduke really being the only two that didn't have something before. Because even Flash Gordon had stuff before. Right. Did So, yeah. Yeah. I said, did Dick Tracy have a radio show? Yes. So, there was a radio show. There was also a a movie. There was a Dick Tracy movie back in like the 40s or 50s. There was was a TV show that ran from 50 to 51. Then there was a cartoon that was produced for oh, yeah, set, in the in 60 and 61. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it is it is the most jumbled uh, history. So it was a comic strip, and then it just went into some comic books as yes. the strip. And then in 37, he gets his own solo. And then in 39, he first got his own actual run and the run lasts a long time it runs until like the mid 60s it's a it's a really long run on its own and all of it is so very strange Uh, (laughs) yeah oh man now there's one case of that that i actually have in my notes to talk about a little bit later of of where they started a story and then restarted a story the very next uh issue Um, yeah but (laughs) But so let's go ahead and get into the characters. This is really going to be the moving panels portion, at least in my opinion, um, just because they, Beatty or whoever decided, they pretty much pulled everyone out of the comics. Oh yeah, um, to to put them into this movie. Um, so we start things off with, of course, Dick Tracy himself, 
Detective Richard Tracy. Um, I think it should be his proper name. Uh, <laughs> played, obviously, by Warren Beatty. The character first appeared uh, in the Detroit Mirror on October 4th, 1931. Uh, Chester Gould did base the character off of Elliot Ness, who some of you will know mm-hmm. as uh, Kevin Costner's character from The Untouchables. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to get into a little bit later. They do give him an origin yeah. later in the comics in which he joined the police after Tess's father is murdered by Big Boy's Gangs. gang. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so so that's what they give him there. I'm just going to run through the list uh, list here and kind of in groups and then we can talk. Uh, you got Tess Trueheart played by Glenn Headley, uh, who I, I always think of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels when I see her. <laughs> yeah. That character first appeared uh, in the Dick Tracy comic uh, October 12th, 1931. Uh, in the comic, kind of like in this movie, she's Tracy's girlfriend and eventually his wife. Uh, and then actually has the name Tess Tracy. Then you got the kid who is Junior in the comics, which then makes sense at the end of the movie when he's Dick Tracy Jr. Uh, Junior in the comics, played by Peter Pan's son, Charlie <laughs> Corsmo. <laughs> nice. You had seen that uh, kid that, somewhere before. Yeah, that was it. That character first appeared September eighth, nineteen thirty-two. Then you've got his uh, Dick Tracy's uh, cop buddies, Pat Patton, played by James Keen. That character first appeared December first, nineteen thirty-one. And Sam Catchem, played by Seymour Castle. That character appeared December twenty-six, nineteen forty-eight. And then you got Chief Brandon, played by Charles Durning. Uh, being Charles Durning. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Who first appeared October 4th, 1931. So other than, so realize what I've done here. That's all the good guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the exception of Sam Catchem, all of these characters are from the first couple of years yeah. of the Tracy comic, um, which were in the thirties. This movie is, I'm pretty clear. I can't remember if they said, but it, it's set in the forties. Uh, so, any of those y'all want to talk about? I know we're going to kind of talk about Warren Beatty throughout, but yeah. um, anything else you want to hit? Uh, did anybody else think the kid was as annoying as I did? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Very much so. I just, from the comics, I want to point out something that today uh, would not fly at all. Dick Tracy, like his, his quote-unquote superpowers, whatever you want to call it, he's America's most decorated police officer, and has killed the most perpetrators. <laughs> like, th- it's in print. You're like, oh, yeah. man. Like, this is definitely yeah. of a time, you know? Mm-hmm. It's wild. Well, that was the thing about a lot of the comic strips of those times. It was of the the quote-unquote realistic ones. You know, that, that was just what he was. He was just a detective, a cop who was really good at what he did. Although when you read the comics, kind of like they show a little bit of in this movie, as much as he likes to defend and <laughs> enforce the law, he doesn't really like to follow it. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. very evident. Very for evident. a cop, <laughs> it's uh, it's um along the same lines. It's really interesting that it's the first comic uh, comic strip that is not uh, comedic. It is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. violent and serious. It mm-hmm. actually takes a lot of flack oh, yeah. in the '30s about being, you know, too violent. This shouldn't be in the the papers for kids to read. All that kind of stuff. But it's the first time that something wasn't just 
let's get a you know 12 panel joke together basically mm-hmm. yeah. so it's it's pretty interesting in that sense it's very definitely very violent i i read a few to prepare for this uh, and i'll talk more about that later i mean there's one panel where you just watch a guy get shot in the head mm-hmm. i mean they they obviously it's a you know static panel but mm-hmm. they have the gun they have the guy's head and you've got the lines indicating that the bullet just went straight through his mm-hmm. head well, and the the villains, which I'm sure we're going to get into in the next moving <laughs> panel segment, are literally ca- like his rogues gallery is called the grotesques. Yes. And <laughs> and it's an apt name like they they didn't pull it out of thin air. Uh, and uh, it's very strange. I don't know what Gould's deal was with drawing disfigured villains, but man, he really uh he wanted to show you that it, it made you ugly to be, uh, you know, a mobster. I don't know what the yeah, deal no, was. Yeah, no, I, let's talk about that. I did read that it's not that they were defigured and so they become yeah. villains. It was the implication that being bad, it was him putting that They were, that, they were uh, like physically evilness. noted as evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so weird. It was physically creating them <laughs> as evil, which I love in the movie when the cops come to get uh, lips. Oh, man. That yeah, one cop, gonna I'm that. going, he's a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad guy. You're like, he's Why got is... prosthetics on. Yeah. Right. He's a bad Why guy. Why did Prune right. Face become a cop? Like, you know, like... <laughs> At least it wasn't Little Face. That, that was his other obsession. Half of the villain's face is in the name. You're like... There's, yes. there's tiny face oh, and yeah, no face, face yeah. and, right, yeah. uh, you know, Matt rat face. And it was like, <laughs> dude, what is your obsession with faces, man? Uh, just a couple of random characters that I wanted to pop up, especially since we're talking about prosthetics. <laughs> so first, and, and so first Steve, the tramp. <laughs> so Steve, the tramp, who's the one who, uh, has the kid and he, he's from the comics, uh, yeah. appeared September 9th, 1932, in this movie, he's played by Tom Epper uh, in his little part. But when he turns around, that is a face. Yeah, pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. So we also have in a Blink and You'll Miss It cameo, we've got Kathy Bates as the stenographer. Yep. Oh, that was her? When, Who oh, came, wow. Yeah, I didn't when they're interviewing with uh, D- Dustin Hoffman's Mumbles. Mumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. When they're interviewing Mumbles, she's there in the corner. Kathy Bates yep. playing Miss Green. There is a Miss Green in the comic, but there is no connection because the Miss Green in the comics is a storyline in which uh, she rents, and I'm putting quotes around that, she <laughs> rents her child <laughs> to this couple uh, so that they can blackmail uh, this dude for money. As one does, um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So throwing that out, but let's let's get into the the villains, and we'll start off with the ones that are one and done at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> the guys playing cards, right? Uh, you got the Brow, who uh, debuted June thirteenth, nineteen forty four, in the comic. And here's something that I put into all of these, just to go ahead and let y'all know. I also got how they died in the comics. <laughs> nice. So again, Seems the Brow debuted June th- June thirteenth, nineteen forty four. I did read this story uh, in the comic. Uh, his character died September twenty fourth, nineteen forty four. So he was only a summer uh, character. And the way he dies is he falls out of a. I'm not going to get into the big details, but he falls out of a window and is impaled by a flagpole. Yeah. Well, all right. 
So talking about that violence <laughs> oh, there. Yeah. He's also a Nazi. That that's something in that the comics. pops up. Yeah, yeah in the yeah. in mm-hmm. the comics. That's something that pops up a lot yeah. with some of these characters in the comics. Uh, but yeah, he was a Nazi. I did find this trivia fact, but I couldn't catch it in the movie. Apparently, if you actually follow them talking about their cards, uh-huh. apparently he is holding the dead man's hand. Oh, uh, pairs know. of aces yeah. and eights. Uh, then you have Rodent. He's the one that picks up the cat and throws uh-huh. the cat. Uh, played by Neil Summers. Character Wait, debuted. Hold on a second. You, you had to tell us which character that was. So the dude <laughs> Look, with the rat face... So- was, yeah. was Rodent? Okay. Gotcha. It's, it, they're, ha- they're in the movie for such a short amount of not time. Not a yeah. rat-like face. He doesn't no. have like buck teeth no, and a big nose. Elongated nose. He has nose. a snout. His long, right. yeah, his and elongated beady eyes. face. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the character debuted May 25th, 1959. The character then died August 30th, 1959. Another summer villain. Mm-hmm. And he was burned to death in his car while it was being dragged by a train again (laughs) this is in the funnies right (laughs) then you got a villain titled shoulders played by stig eldred uh in the comic who i think's a a stuntman like that that's all he's been known for a lot of these guys were and the character debuted june 14th 1946 and then died february 22nd 1948 so he lasted a good bit. Mm-hmm. He is killed as he's on top of a ladder about to shoot Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy kicks the ladder and he accidentally shoots himself in the head. <laughs> Gun safety. It's important. There you go. Right, right. Then we have Little Face, who actually has a real name. Uh, in the comics, you find yep. out his name is Leonard Finney. Uh, but he is known as Little Face. This uh, design was a little bit more exaggerated. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. <laughs> it is in the comic. In the co- in the comics, it's a normal size head with just like a little yeah, he's, face on. He's it. just a lot of forehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the movie, he's the blob <laughs> yeah. with like a regular size human face. Yeah. It is super bizarre. And a side note on that one, Gould was obsessed with that particular idea because he makes another character called No Face, yes. who well, has blank, an yeah. even tinier oh, face. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the comics, in the comic, like yeah, a yeah. really, really little face on like a regular size head. It's very <laughs> strange to look at. Uh, but Little Face is played by Lawrence Stephen Meyer. The character debuted July 26, 1941, and I found no record of his death. Uh, then we've got Stooge Villar. Played by Jim Wilkie, character debuted in January four, uh, January fourth, nineteen thirty three, and his character died January seventh, nineteen forty. So a good seven years for this character, and he dies of gangrene. <laughs> yeah. So, so there. What were y'all thoughts of of having these characters where we're just introduced to them and then they're just mowed down right at the very beginning? I like a, a beginning that just kicks you right into gear. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was obvious, especially now. You know, older and more of these movies were. I guess at that time you wouldn't call it fan service, but for lovers of the comic, it's just like it's great for them to see those characters, even if it's just for that brief moment. Um, so for Warren Beatty, to yes, 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 pretty much, yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> Again, I'm going. I'm just. I just keep picturing Little Face because the other thing they did was they made sure <laughs> so they weird. made sure that camera was close up every time yes. they went to him. Yes. 
Like there, nothing yeah. else in the shot but his head. Nothing else could fit in the shot. Yeah. But his head. he he had to be written out because that actor would have died of heat stroke <laughs> if he had to be put in that suit on day two. Uh, like, right. good lord. Right. Then I've got another group to talk about. So after uh, Big Boy takes control, he has a meeting with the other gang leaders. Mm-hmm. And then there are several gang leaders who are present, most of which say absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. So first off, you've got the one who just does speak, uh, Spud Speldani, played by James Caan, uh, mm-hmm. who in the comics is the attorney for the criminals. Uh, so he's okay. the one that always defends the criminals. He... Uh, debuted in the comics November 10th, 1933. He then died May 6th, 1934 in a shootout, like most of the ones in this movie die. <laughs> so he gets a much grander death in this one with the explosion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and right. now I want to talk about this. You think James Caan said, I ain't wearing no prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> he also has two very short lines and is exploded. Yes. Yes, James, James Con. Yes, yeah. This is post The Godfather. Yes, like right. it's not like James Con right. is a nobody at this point in time. It, this movie is bonkers. It is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the people yeah. that Warren, which is why I wanted to talk so much about the the actors, yeah. mm-hmm. the people that Warren Beatty got in this movie. It's crazy. it's crazy. But which, yeah, but you also see like, but I'm saying like for that, even that scene, I was like, he's pulled together. Actors who are known for being bad, you know, the ba- all the bad guys right. typically are known for being bad guys. Maybe not Dustin Hoffman, but you know, he doesn't, he's not completely bad. But you had Paul Servino, you had James Kahn, you had Henry Silva. Uh, those are three that come to mind immediately yeah. that so, I recognized. So I'm not trying to beat you up, Laramie, but I think chronologically, the meeting you're talking about happens after Lips yes. is killed. Yes, yes. but I, yes. I just want... So the- Paul Servino also yeah. just... In this yes. movie for yeah. 37 seconds and just to slurp up some oysters, but also sitting and leer at Madonna. Right, right. But also sitting at this table, you've got the comic book character, John Ram, who they even say by name because they're telling Tracy, all the people that are there, uh, that character appeared April 7th, 1938. I could not find him in the credits. Hmm. I can picture him. I can see him sitting at the table based off of the yeah. look from the character. Don't know who played him though. Uh, then you've got ribs Mako also from the comics, October 27th, 1931. He's played by Robert Beecher. And then she does not say a word. Texie Garcia from the comics, October 29th, 1931 being played by Catherine O'Hara. And she's just what? sitting there. Yeah. Wow. Never says a word. Just Warren Beatty's friend yeah. who came over for the day <laughs> and get a phone call from Beatty Beatty. How do you feel about prosthetics? Can you be here tomorrow? At she four didn't o'clock? have any prosthetics. Just, she's, no, she She's no, got she some heavy clearly, makeup, but you know, she's oh, okay. she's got the black hat. She's the only woman sitting in the room. Yeah. Um, yeah. she's got the little like veil over her face, but you look like that's that's Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. And you wonder, was she just like on the lot for something you yeah. know, going on or whatever? And Warren Beatty was like, yeah, let's do this. I, mean, <laughs> I really, yeah. This movie is so bananas. Because she, she had done Beetlejuice, obviously, already by this point. And right, then Home yeah. Alone was coming out right about this time. Yeah. Yeah. But, the but end I'm, of that year. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm still just going, why? How did you get there? <laughs> like, 
again, we had talked about Kathy Bates already, who has like maybe a couple of words that she says sitting in a corner. Yeah. And now here we have Catherine O'Hara, comedic legend. Catherine O'Hara mm-hmm. doesn't say a word in the entire movie. No. It's so weird. All right. So now let's get into the, the villains who actually have some parts. And we'll start with the big one with a big boy Caprice, uh, Alfonso. Big Boy Caprice, although that's not mm-hmm. his name in the comic. His name in the comic is Gabe Fimoni. Here we are, played by Al Pacino, who earned an Oscar nomination for this role. Yeah. And earned a, he earned a lot of nominations for this yeah. role. Yeah. Uh, he won a comedic won a, award for this one, yeah. Yeah, won a few things. It's yeah. very strange. It's very Pacino, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 this definitely seems like the height of Pacino's cocaine use. And, uh, <laughs> like, kind of think Beatty just got him, like, spooled up and turned him loose, you know? Yeah. I, I, I get so much of a kick out of when he gets the club and he is... He is choreographing Madonna's. Yes, I was oh, going to say the same yeah. thing. That yeah. is the, yes. the scene where it's the girls front. You're seeing them from the front in the burlesque show yeah, as they, they like split. move to the sides, yeah. Yeah. and then it's Pacino at the very back of the line. <laughs> yeah. It's so creepy. It's so weird. Yeah, and him repeating every line she's singing and like oh yeah, gosh, his little spoken. So... Yes. Yeah. More. More. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so weird. I so. Uh, the character of Big Boy debuted in the comics on October 11th, 1931. Uh, he died December 24th, 1978. Mm. And his character dies from a heart attack. <laughs> he is considered Tracy's main villain from the comics. So he is the Joker to Tracy's Batman. He is the Lex Luthor to Tracy's uh, Superman. And mm. if... It got to a point where once they established that he was the main villain, if he wasn't the villain of the story, which is kind of where this uh, movie gets some of its idea, if he wasn't the actual villain, he was the guy behind the actual villain. Pulling like the strings, he was the mastermind. Yeah. He was again. He was the the big boss. Mm-hmm. The, the big yeah, boss, right? Big boy. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much what it comes from. Very literal. And of course, just like we uh, talked about, Dick Tracy is based off of Elliot Ness. Apparently, Chester Gould based Big Boy off of Al Capone, um, Makes sense. which we see. Yeah, we see a lot of that. He, uh, I was actually mm-hmm. talking with Bethany as we were watching it uh, about how he gets so freaked out when uh, the blank and 88 key sets him up for kidnapping Tess. And he's freaking out, you know, oh, this is a federal crime. You know, mm-hmm. she was like, oh, so now you're worried about committing a federal crime. I said, no, <laughs> he's worried because there's proof. Whereas all of his other crimes, there was nothing that connected him or he had a way mm-hmm. out. And that's the mm-hmm. Al Capone connection. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pre-Rico. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We got Breathless Mahoney, a.k.a. The Blank. Mm-hmm. And I will say spoiler. Spoilers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but let's talk about the fact that they spoiled it with the toy release. This. Yes. yes I remember this that. This is another one that, that the toy, uh, just like they did for the. Uh, the Batman mask of the phantasm where the toy actually spoils the, uh, big reveal. Um, so even though the blank character was created for the movie, breathless Mahoney is from the comic. Uh, she debuted May 11th, 1945. She was then killed August 26, 1946 from an unnamed disease, uh, that she picked up while she was in prison. Well, all right. 
So in the comic, Breathless is the daughter of another Tracy villain who had recently been killed, and then she wants her uh, revenge on Tracy. And her character in the comic, and again, this is Breathless. She didn't have this alternate persona to be a villain. She was very violent in the comic strip. Uh, So this is a very tamed version of Breathless. Yeah. Because uh, even as the blank, like she's a little hesitant about, mm-hmm. you know, doing some of the stuff that she. I think she only kills what two people because she's the one that she's the one that it's saves. Really hard to keep up with the body count. In yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> so. she's the one that saves Tracy when his gun jams. Because Tracy, as smart as he is, doesn't right. realize. Hey, you know what? Cement covering cement. My, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stops fire. Stops. Right. Yeah. Which okay, that scene for a second. Clean Dick Tracy, camera turns around, camera goes back, and he's the Sandman. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, it's <laughs> like, dude, what? Has, did you just decide to bathe in it in the three seconds we panned <laughs> yeah. from you? Like, what is happening? And how did he get, because uh, I forgot which one it was, how did he get the other dude out so fast? Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, so, Movie magic. so, let's talk about Madonna. <laughs> Pop icon. You know, mm-hmm. this is right at the you know, probably one the, of kind of the height, kind of, yeah, the, the height, height of yeah. of her her stardom, and you know she had toyed around and would continue to toy around with doing movies. And so you know, sometimes she's an actor. What were your thoughts on her acting ability in this? Because I read a lot that said this is probably her best job. Man, I don't know. It's inconsistent because. Some parts of the movie, she's the most believable character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like t- toward the end, where she's the spurned lover and she has to make the choice that, like she she can't actually actively go against Dick Tracy. You kind of see the wheels turning and the anguish and all that kind of stuff. She's very very good. Early in the movie, there's a lot of just just half second off on delivery yeah. like it's just mm-hmm. not quite right yeah I, yeah some of her delivery is just um mm-hmm. yeah i would say like much like and you know she didn't have the greatest movie career in the 80s but if you want to have some titles who's that girl and desperately, desperately seeking, seeking susan, susan which, were, yeah. which, which were you know shanghai surprise let's not forget about that one with uh her husband at the time sean Penn. i don't even know that one so i have yeah yeah she <laughs> she tends to play herself which the beginning of this movie is like i mean i I didn't go in this movie like, oh, this is Breathless Mahoney. Like that, I'm watching Madonna be Madonna pretty much for the first part of this movie. Like you said, once it got towards the end, it's like, okay, I'm starting to see a little bit more of a real character there. But I, I didn't really see her as she was just Madonna on screen because she was the persona that she her that the the pop star Madonna kind of is. Yeah, and I I would say even other scenes that aren't like the super famous racy scene where she's in dick tracy's apartment mm-hmm. throwing herself yeah, at him right right uh, don't like, you want to frisk she's me currently she's currently dating warren Beatty in right. real life while they right. were like, filming that's not made but up not when the movie that, came out right yeah mm-hmm. but that's not made up chemistry is my point yeah. right like so even that was like kind of real life not necessarily yeah, yeah. you know and and my your point of that because going back to you know, we, we kind of we missed we were back talking about the initial cast but there was zero chemistry between him and Tess in my mind. Like there was no romantic chemistry between them 
to me at all in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, I, I you know we haven't really talked about Byron Beatty. He doesn't really give a yeah, lot of his performance that's anyway. What I was so that's about it's, to it's, say. You know, <laughs> there's a I little bit more with Beatty. Madonna, but not much. Yeah. 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 So bizarre. And we'll we'll get into definitely more of that uh, <laughs> a little bit later. Let's let's go ahead and move on to the characters. Uh, I wanted to put this one first because he was my favorite. Mumbles. Uh, yes. Mumbles, played by Dustin, Dustin Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes. <laughs> Academy like, Award winner, Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> who who agrees to both wear horrible makeup. Yes. I mean, no, no, I mean like horrible looking. Yes. Not, it was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, it was an incredible makeup job that wins right. an Oscar. Right. But uh, looks terrible mm-hmm. and like doesn't speak a line clearly <laughs> through the movie. Yeah, but he what I don't know if it was Hoffman or if he had uh, some vocal coach or whatnot. He comes up with like mm-hmm. you can tell yeah. that what he is saying makes sense to him. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. In multiple viewings, I've come to that thought that he had he has created his own kind of dialogue or sped up dialogue to make it sound. Yeah. Like I think he worked at that. Like I don't think he was just mumbling. Oh yeah, I think yeah. he's he actually created his own little language. Yeah. Dialogue. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. but the character in the comics uh, is actually part of a a band. He's a musician, uh, and it's the <laughs> Mumbles Band. And uh, he debuted October sixteenth, nineteen forty seven. And again, couldn't find anything about his death. So apparently, the character survived in the comics. Uh, but yeah, that Mumbles is my favorite character. Just hands down, period. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman is amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're talking about Dustin Hoffman agreeing to do this. Realize he's also agreeing to do this after doing Ishtar. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if Warren Beatty went, look, I'm going to make it up to you. <laughs> this, Did he though? Trust me. <laughs> this will be better. But he's coming off his nomination for Rain Man in 89. Yeah. And then he would go on to be uh, Captain Hook with the kid. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you a little go. bit later. So, uh, then we've got who is almost the actual main villain, and that's Flat Top. Yes, uh, in fact, William Forsythe gets third bill in this movie. Yeah, which mm-hmm. I was so surprised by. It's Warren Beatty, uh, then it's the kid, and then it's Flat Top, and then they, the the opening credits, the way they order. The characters. I was oh, so man. confused. Oh, it's yeah. so like, bizarre. I, yeah. You're not doing it alphabetically. You're not. How are you? You're not doing it by appearance, right? Like, how are you doing it this? It was some. <laughs> it was some weird Warren Beatty auteur, yes. you know, yeah. like thing that he decided to do. So, yeah. yeah I, oh man, Flat Top, who was a uh, a fan favorite from the comics. Uh, he is. He's he's really kind of the number two yes, villain. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. For sure. Big Boy is the dude, but you see Flat Top a lot in the early mm-hmm. comics, uh, and I thought they did an amazing job. I would say that the the makeup for this character is mm-hmm. probably the most true. I like, was going to say was, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was cartoon come to life yeah. kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like it was. It was really amazing. Yeah. I was going to say his was. Of all of the makeup jobs, his to me was the most convincing of like not thinking that's a makeup job. Like it yeah. looked almost yeah. like that's really how he looked. So Yeah. But you say he he's he he was in a lot of the comics. The character flat now there's flat top Jones Sr. and then there was a flat mm-hmm. top junior. But yeah. he is supposedly playing the, the senior. 
Uh, he debuted December 21st, 1943, and then died May 14th, 1944. So he's only yeah. a six-month you know, character. Uh, and But to your point, he's so popular that his kid then yes. becomes the same <laughs> yeah. character uh, and continues the run. Which, but. and then also, I didn't write this down, uh, Flat Top came from a family uh, in which like his brothers were like Big Top and... Uh, point top <laughs> yeah. and like they all had oh, wow. different <laughs> different things uh, but going to his death in the comics so he dies uh, by drowning when he's trying to escape the police he's underwater swimming to get away from them and then his, his foot gets caught and he can't get loose and he drowns in a kid's in comic in a kid strip. comic that's the, again that is <laughs> that is why I wanted to put these deaths on here uh, we then have his his second Itchy, uh, played by Edo Ross, uh, and I don't know why Edo Ross chose the voice he chose. Um, I don't know, but okay. Uh, in a movie of weird, unbelievable things <laughs> that that Dick Tracy goes to the door with that terrible yeah, yes, woman voice yes. impersonation. Yes. It's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. Uh, in the comics, Itchy actually has a real name, like we mentioned earlier with Littleface. Uh, but, and this is one of those great ones. This is really like one of those Batman villain. His real name in the comic is Itchel Oliver. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh he debuted September 14th, 1945, and then just died a few months later, uh, December 22nd, 1945. And just like in the movie. He's shot by Tracy. We then Who has killed the most bad guys of any cop in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Point proven. Yeah, right. Uh, we then have a character that was created for the film. I don't know why, because he serves no purpose. And that's numbers. Big boy's accountant played by Mr. Strickland from back to the future. James. Yes, Tolkien. I did. Yeah, I did recognize him. Yeah. And you're right. He has no yeah, Real you would purpose. think that they were going to do something, you know, with the books, you know. Yeah, yeah, like the Al Capone connection yeah, kind of thing. But no. And so why do they create a character? Once again, another bad guy in his crew. But he's not even he's not even an active bad guy. Like No, what I'm saying, and, he's known as playing he's known as the actor is known as playing a oh, bad yeah, guy. Yeah, true. And the only comic book character that has a larger rogues gallery is Batman. Mm-hmm. And so why make up a bad guy? Yeah. Like ever. Yeah. It's ridiculous. No reason. Um, Then we've got 88 keys who I kind of was mm-hmm. iffy about. Do I put him as a bad guy? Like, is he a bad guy? Um, No. Now in the comic keys is spelled with the second E uh, key. Uh, K E Y E S mm-hmm. in the movie. They drop the second E so that it's literal 88 keys. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Played, pl- Can I say, so, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Let, I'll let you finish. Played here by a, I have to say, almost unrecognizable Mandy Patinkin, even though he's wearing almost no prosthetics, no makeup. He's just yeah, got exactly. the kind of the receding hairline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the character debuted April fifteenth, nineteen forty three, and then he also was shot by Tracy on July eleventh, nineteen forty three. So just a couple of months uh, he lasted. But what, what did you want to say about eighty eight keys? So I was going to say about his name. I love it when they're in the car and it says 88 keys, you know, the piano player. And I'm like, yeah, that, I think they would figure that out. (laughs) 
I would love how police. You know, I would love to you know, know Rhoda, yeah. the guy with the rat face. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. Exactly. Like, I would love to know how police lineups worked in the, the Tracy <laughs> comics. Do you recognize the, the one who stole your car? Um, yeah. I think he's the dude with the prune face. <laughs> yeah, so prune, so prune face. face. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> Oh, his man. name was kind of, I heard his name once. It's something like piano. I don't know. Something about a piano player. <laughs> yeah. 88 keys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe something like that. That would be the other thing. It's like I heard some I heard some guys talking about a robbery. Uh, I didn't see any faces, though, but I know it involves some dude named Flattop <laughs> and a guy named Littleface. Uh, <laughs> but look. We're never going to find yeah. those guys. What kind of names are those? But I couldn't identify them, so I'm not going to be able to, <laughs> to tell a sketch artist what they look like. <laughs> and a mask is not helping those guys. No. Like you just on silhouette, you're like, yep, it was <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on, uh, we've talked about him a few times already. So Prune Face, played by R. G. Armstrong. Uh again, this was the the toy I actually owned. Um this is a pretty good <laughs> character, I will also say. Like he he plays yeah. it really well. The the character debuted in the comics October twenty third, nineteen forty two. He actually lasted until August 6, 1999. Wow. Yes. And in that comic, he is an old man. Uh, yeah. His daughter. You couldn't tell it. Yeah. But... His daughter is actually involved in the storyline. Uh, and she sets up this deal with Tracy um, to get her father. And I didn't read the story. I just kind of read a synopsis. But what ends up happening is during the exchange which is in an air gondola. Um, yeah, because <laughs> we'll, we might talk about this a little bit more. Chad might know more about this than I do, but in the nineties, Dick Tracy started going sci-fi. So oh, it was way before, it was the, before 90s, the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know if this air oh, gondola dude. was part of that, but he falls from the air gondola. Uh, and that is how what he dies in the comics. He also, um, in the comic was a Nazi. Uh, in fact, as he, Right before he falls to his death, his final words in the comic is Zeke Heil. Wow. 1999. Yeah. To the end. Yeah. So, so he, he has a wife who in the comics is Mrs. Pruneface. Yes. <laughs> and, and she is the only villain of all of these people that has a deformed face because of something happening to her. Apparently when she was a little girl, she had gasoline thrown in her face and it makes her like an alien face. If you look at the panels that she's in, she, she looks like, uh, you know, like a gray in the mm. alien, like an X files culture. It's super bizarre. And, but she is arguably more evil than her husband. There are so many stories where when Pruneface fails. Mrs. Pruneface tries to then like beat the crap out of Dick Tracy with her purse full of gold bars or whatever. It's huh. the most bizarre <laughs> uh, character in all comics. Uh, then we've got Influence, who is never referred to by name. You only know it's Influence yeah. because of the credits. Uh, Influence, played by Henry Silva. Character appeared uh, in the comic November 28th, 1946. I didn't find a death for him. Um, and then finally, we've already mentioned them, but, uh, Lips Manless played by the late, great Paul Sorvino. 
Uh, the character debuted March 20th, 1936, and I also couldn't find a death for him. So, uh, so there we go. And then finally, uh, you know, he's not a gangster, but he is a bad guy. District Attorney Fletcher, <laughs> played by the wonderful Dick Van Dyke. Van Dyke. <laughs> it's why. And that character yes. also created for the movie, um, although there were district attorneys in the comic. They created right. this one uh, especially for the movie. And yeah, Dick Van Dyke in a out-of-character role for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, like, he has since then played uh, kind of the villain a couple of times. Is this Dick Van Dyke's first run as, at the very least, a corrupt character? I would say yes. I, I, I'd have yeah. to go to a deeper dive mm-hmm. of his uh, yeah. filmography. Um, but yeah, I would say yes. Hot off the heels of Diagnosis Murder. Oh, wow. It, <laughs> <laughs> it works so well, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It does. He he play he plays a good politician, is what he mm-hmm. does. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and it's so weird even just to see Dick Van Dyke like smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, that's you know that's a thing of the eighties also. So yeah, you know, if we're being honest, it was mm-hmm. much more culturally okay. But it is very strange the the like over the shoulder shot, which always looks evil. Mm-hmm. But uh, and he's just like you know puffing on that cigarette, and you're like. This is weird. Like that's not <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is not supposed to be doing this, but and it works. And for anyone so listening, well. talking about Chad's uh, remark of it was a little bit more acceptable. It wasn't that we didn't already know that it was bad for you, <laughs> right, right, right. But it was really like at that point we just didn't care um, as a society. <laughs> yeah, like- because, like other things like helmets, yeah. you know, just <laughs> you would go into a restaurant and they would ask you smoking or non smoking or non smoking. Yeah. Yep. Cause there were two different sections of the, the restaurant not separated by any walls or anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. In fact, usually the non section, uh, the non smoking section was in the back of the restaurant. So you had to walk through the smoking mm-hmm. section to get to the non smoking section. <laughs> oh man. And what was really the difference between the sections? Whether you had an ashtray on your table like that was yep. that was it right there. All right, so always have to ask and so we're going to ask you right here with this, you know, 700 different characters in this movie. <laughs> who do you want to see again and who do you wish would take a bath into the river? I I'm I'll, just going to go, go ahead and say. I'm just going to go. Okay. I wanted to see DA Fletcher some more. Like I yeah. wanted a little yeah. bit more of that character. I wanted to see more mm-hmm. of that corruption. I wanted to see more of him uh, bending the rules in order for Big Boy mm-hmm. to get away. You know, they just have that one little moment where he just walks up to Tracy and says, yeah, we got 14 people saying that he was, uh, you know, elsewhere during that. So sorry. And then he walks away. Like, I wanted to see him do more uh, to help Big Boy. So so that's it for me. Um, definitely want to see more of him. And I kind of already alluded to this. I could have done without the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... <laughs> I did not need a montage of him saying, when do we eat over and over again? Right, 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 right. So, so there, there's mine. So <laughs> the character I want to see in the, in the bath as well as the, is the kid. Like I was the same thing. I think this is where the movie is very uneven. Like I think it's, he's there for the kids aspect of the movie, which doesn't really fit the rest of the movie. Like he's just kind of shoehorned in to the, 
to the movie for me. The character that I want to see more Hold on, of, you say he's there for the kids. Let's not forget about the scene where he oogles over Madonna. Yeah. After she leaves Tracy's apartment and he's just yeah. watching her out the window. <laughs> hey, hey, next time, uh, why, don't, why don't you have me interview her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying, but like, but his, the whole idea of having a kid in the movie, once again, is just your, 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 pan, like I say, I hate to say pandering, but you're, you're trying to invite the kids in to have a character yeah. they can relate to. And so, um, the one I would want to see more of, Honestly, I would have liked more of Flat Top, and I think just because I think he was a good, I, I would have liked more of him than Big Boy. I think you know Pacino is going to Pacino whatever he's in, but it becomes so outlandish and over the top, it gets annoying after a while. Where Flat Top is just, you know, the the brute force. Um, so I don't know. I would like to see more of him. I'm actually, I don't know. Uh, I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna try to get a little clever here. <laughs> I, uh, I want to see. Uh, more of Dick Tracy. Okay. Because you get nothing from him in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he obviously, it's not one of those like, you know, Indiana Jones things where if he's not in the movie, it still works out the same. Mm-hmm. He's clearly <laughs> like a, a giant force mm-hmm. in the movie, but uh, you just, you have no reason to believe in him. Mm-hmm. There is zero connection to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like you were talking about the chemistry, uh, with Jess or Tess, I mean, and you, you're like, why is she with him? Yes. Like he has no redeeming qualities Mm -hmm. other than he's like, you know, fights bad guys kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so it's just, uh, and, and it's really weird because, uh, I read an interview that Warren Beatty even said, that while this was his passion project and like, he clearly is in love with Dick Tracy. Like he claims that he learned to read, reading Dick Tracy comics, like all this kind of stuff. And, and is super passionate about the history of it. Uh, and even he says that James Cagney should have played this character. Yeah. Like, so I kind of wonder, like, did he have a little bit of an inferiority complex? Like, did it, did it affect his performance and he mm. underplays everything because he doesn't feel like he deserves the right, to, play the right one to play this? Yeah. And it shows in my opinion. I just mm-hmm. don't, you just don't see much of the guy, which also makes it the character that I want to throw in the river. Like I just, <laughs> I, I got no reason yeah. for him. Like mm-hmm. I don't like him past. He's the, the titler guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So so I will point out, I, I saw that about James Cagney too. And even when I heard it or actually read it, uh, but when I, when I read it and he was like, I, I think James Cagney would be perfect for it. I'm like, wait, James Cagney died in 86 and he was 86. Yeah. When did you want James Cagney to play Dick Tracy? Like <laughs> right, he, right. he wanted this movie made when he was a kid. Yeah. Like clearly. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I just found that cause it, it, in the interview, it sounds like he's talking about the Dick Tracy. He's, that he would have, yeah, that he would have cast right. James right. Cagney, no, and I'm just going, huh? <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I mean, you to not to get off on too much of a tangent, but I think today we have forgotten what a weird dude Warren Beatty was. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and this is a kind of at the height of his weirdness, or whatever, however you want to word it, yeah. like this movie is clearly some weird turning point in his, in his life and his career, all this kind of stuff, because he is 
like the quintessential playboy you know Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're uh, they theorize that, like, ba- basically the only person who has fathered more illegitimate children is, like, Wilt Chamberlain, you know, and well, all this kind of stuff. Nick and- Cannon's probably not too far behind here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you got all that stuff, and the dude quit acting for, like, 15 years yeah. because he hated a role he was in. Like, he makes Daniel Day-Lewis look like a he doesn't care. You know, it's... He's such a weird dude, and and the people that he worked with, like he would only get, uh, you know, the the super talented guys, uh, to to work with. Like even, I mean, to we've been kind of mocking the movie a little bit. I mean, obviously we're like nostalgic and sentimental about it, mm-hmm. but this is a beautifully shot movie. Yes, yes, I would. Agree I mean, with it's that. it's incredible the mm-hmm. the links that they went to to make this movie and the choices they made the the like matte paintings mm-hmm. of all the mm-hmm. of all the like cityscapes and everything. And have you ever seen asphalt look that good? <laughs> Every scene, the street is wet and there is some primary color reflecting off it. Yeah. It is it, yeah. it is incredibly shot. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's such a bizarre movie, man. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and listen to an 80s flick flashback podcast once in a while, you could miss it. Do you love movies of a certain age? Do you miss the days of VHS tapes, VCRs, and the video rental stores? Does the thought of another 80s movie being remade seem inconceivable? My name is Tim Williams. I'm the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by guest co-host to discuss one of the many movies released in the 1980s. We share our first-time watch memories, our favorite scenes, and even learn some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. New episodes are released every other Friday on your favorite podcasting platform. So make like a tree, get out of here, and go listen to an excellent episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. The ad is over. Go home. Go. Alright, so let's go ahead and get into talking about this stuff. And this is what we'll put in for the moving panel section. So we were talking about the look. As, as always, when the look is so big, I love to give credit. Uh, so the art direction was done by Richard uh, Salbert, who had done Chinatown. Yeah. So there, yeah. a great connection there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then he worked with Rick Simpson, who who you'll, you'll love this, uh, Tim. Rick Simpson, who was the art director for Johnny Dangerously. Okay. And Makes Big sense. Trouble in Little China. There you go. <laughs> and then he would also go on, which I wanted to mention this. He would also go on to do Armageddon. And the reason okay. why I want to point out Armageddon <laughs> is because of the colors. Mm-hmm. Like Armageddon was a really like the colors really pop in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, their yeah. orange jumpsuits, the blue and the purples when they're mm-hmm. on the asteroid. Uh, you know, I know it's got a lot of that Michael Bay uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, um, Jerry Bruckheimer, yeah. uh, kind of, uh, parts to it. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the, the blurred, uh, parts. Mm. Um, but I, I went into that thinking kind of the same thing. Um, then you also got the cinematographer and I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, Vita- Vittorio Storaro. There you go. 
<laughs> who was the the cinematographer for apocalypse now yep so you've got this again Beatty getting these top tier mm-hmm. people I'm, yeah it's an all-star team it's ridiculous yeah. yeah yeah um but going into what chad was talking about he had a beautiful asphalt uh because everything's colored everything Yes. Um, yes. And they only used. I saw conflicting things here. They only used six or seven. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't lock down on which was the exact number. Um, I'd read it one place and they would say six. Read another place and they would say seven. Uh, they only used six or seven colors, which were the same that they were using in the comic. And I heard. I believe it was uh, the cinematographer who said every red is the same red. Yeah. Every you know green is the same green. I wanted to disagree with that a little bit because I'm pretty sure Big Boy is wearing like a teal color when he comes out of the the courthouse um, near the beginning. He's being interviewed by all the detectives. His his green, I guess you'd call it, it's a little different than the the guy standing next to him. But the red, definitely. I mean, there's so many times where and like the yellow. Yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. many times when the kid who his main color turns out to be red mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. he's up against things and he almost could just disappear yep. next to that red. Yeah. But the yellow too, there's uh, there's the yellow blinds and the, the cafe that you can see clearly match uh, Tracy's uh, hat and coat. There's even a yellow car that passes him at one point. I was about yeah. to say there's the scene where he chases the kid out into the street and he's there's a yellow building, a yellow car, and Warren Beatty's, and they all like cross at, at yeah. one point of the shot, and mm-hmm. it's so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but but even the way they shot the movie, yes. not just the colors, mm-hmm. there's look so like little movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so yeah. little movement yeah. in, in in any of the shots. Like it was all done on purpose. Yeah, little movement of the camera. The camera does not yes. move. Right. Yeah. 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 So that it's just that static it frames, shot and frames. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. What's going on? One of one of the biggest the ones there is when. Tracy is uh, sitting at his desk when Breathless then walks in Uh, Mm because the camera does move and shift as Breathless is coming forward. But when they show Tracy, it is he is perfectly centered in the shot. Uh, He's got the two windows behind him, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is dead on a frame. I mean, even the opening, the color and the shot. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say the same Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I mean, the when you see the the you know, the the set. Uh, the matte paintings that go along with the set. But even when they show Tracy open the door and there's the green wall behind mm-hmm. him, like it is just a perfectly framed shot and it yep. just screams. This is a comic book. Uh, mm-hmm. We're bringing to life a comic book. And, and I think this was one of the last mo- movies to really use matte paintings. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they do it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are some, gorgeous matte paintings and the the effects work that they do to put the movement into the matte painting is yeah. is great yeah and I, I thought about that a few times i was like i wonder how much of with who framed roger rabbit being the year before of blending the animation and the live action together if that was if that helped them with that since you brought that up charles fleischer in a little cameo uh the voice yeah. of roger rabbit Right. Uh, which there was a Roger Rabbit cartoon that yes, aired before, the movie. before yep. the movie in theaters. Yeah, because you guys said you didn't. You didn't. I did see it in theaters, and I do remember really? oh, seeing the Roger Rabbit short before yeah. the movie. So I, I, I did. When I read that, I was like, "Oh yeah, I do remember seeing the Roger Rabbit like short before the movie." I thought that was pretty cool. 
all right, so we've we've talked about this. I've got this in my notes to talk about. Let's talk about the movie and who was this movie for? <laughs> it is it is based on a character that no one under the age of 50 was really familiar with. Mm-hmm. It is rated PG, although as Chad and I have both talked about, it's extremely violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there is all the stuff with Madonna that yes. is very strongly sexualized. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The innuendos that she throws oh, out. Man. Yes, yes. Is Can you even call that innuendo? Yeah. Some, yeah. Like, it's blatant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty blatant. I, yeah. I sweat better uh, in the dark. Uh, yeah. That was one. Um, What's the line leading up to that? That's like a back and forth. That's yeah. There's a couple oh, of them man. in there. And then later on, uh, Al Pacino's character tells her, you know, the the whole mink thing. Of, yeah. A wo- woman wears mink or shouldn't wear anything, and she's like, I look good I look in both. Good in yeah. both. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, geez, dude. Yeah. Yeah. She she lays lays it on really thick. Uh, mm-hmm. So one of my favorite quotes that I read from any of the cast when I when we were researching this is Al Pacino was quoted in saying that in rehearsals, Madonna flashed him because they did it with a coat and she apparently had on nothing and just flashed Al Pacino as a joke. And Al Pacino said, uh, when I'm an old man and you see me staring off into space with a smile on my face, I'm remembering that moment. I was like, dude. <laughs> well, so let, let's go into that. When Tracy goes into her dressing room mm-hmm. and she comes mm-hmm. around from behind that, uh, that screen partition. Yeah. She's nude underneath. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> underneath that robe that listener, what you can't see is the three of us looking at each other on the cameras and our faces just making strange like, motions, not yeah. knowing what to say. Like that is a sheer robe, a yes. see-through robe. Yes. And although they do some shadowing and then she's mm-hmm. she carries a couple she's of things. Stuff. Yes, yes. Like she's nude. And then she makes the line where he's like, Aren't you grieving? And she said, I'm wearing black underwear and I'm like, What are uh, you? Are you though? <laughs> That's the line right before the sweating yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, so weird. Kids movie. So who who was this movie for? Cause yeah, they had the McDonald's tie in, they had the mm. toys. Uh, you know, everything's bright and colorful. It's Walt Disney, Touchstone. Uh, well, Disney, originally it was good, like Disney had its name on it yes, until the, like the, almost the very end. Yeah. And they, they, they said, no, we're going to give it a Touchstone because of the violence and of the sexual nature of some of yeah. the scenes. So that tells you right there that it's, I think it initially was trying to be a kid's quote unquote more kid friendly movie, but that's why, once again, I think the the kid being in it was the only thing that really tries to make it like because everything else in that movie, like the whole gunfight at the end and the excessive bullets and like I mean, beta, first of all, they're completely firing these guns and no one is reloading at any point for like well, ten minutes. I mean, <laughs> flat top wastes like seven hundred bullets yes. to write the message to Tracy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah at the beginning, yeah, and. It made me think of that John Mulaney joke about, uh, anyways, that's a whole other story, but, uh, he's like, are bullets free back yeah. then? Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but anyway, so, uh, uh, totally different story, but 
it's uh it's very funny that scene is hilarious to me because it's not like four minutes before that tracy's telling all the cops like don't shoot don't shoot she's yeah. with them you know <laughs> yeah, and then and they, they have a body yeah. and clyde shootout like <laughs> yeah. holy crap yeah and i had that same with, thought i'm like with firing tracy cars- standing between yes the he's cops probably the first one shooting yeah. yeah yes he's standing between the cops and the gangsters how but as the cars yeah. are coming out how does he know which car tess is in because they're just mowing every car just down as, 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 they come as, as they come out so yeah yeah it's so wild uh i, I did yeah. i will I, say I though know who this movie was yeah. made for yeah. it was made i do know it was made for warren Bates. we've <laughs> yes. already we've that already is, established that it. is the correct answer <laughs> you are correct you are correct it was well it was made for uh the you know 10 12 year old you know that oh, that man. we were watching it so that we yeah. would have this nostalgia for it you know 30 <laughs> years later right right oh dude i don't know it it's kind of a shame in the sense that uh, you know there's so much right with this movie mm-hmm. uh oh yeah it's so ridiculously well made the people in it care yeah like, yeah. Like you were oh, talking yeah, about yeah. with Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman could have blown this off and got a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like, and like he clearly, you know, gave a rip about doing a good mm-hmm. job with this. And so it's so bizarre to me. And, and again, like, I think the weak link is Warren. It, it, Bates. He is. Yes. Like that's, yes. the, that's the really strange yes. part about this movie yes. to me. Yes. Is it so good except for Dick the Tracy. Least, but yeah. Part of me wonders if that's not, because in the comic, Dick Tracy is yeah. a flat character, mm-hmm. but he's but he's like a bold, square jawed flat Literally, character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and Warren Beatty's not. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of soft, and he's also and even though he's flat, like you can tell he has motivation. There is mm-hmm. like a passion yes. for what he yes. does. I would give him that. And, yeah. And that's that's what I was talking about earlier with with this Dick Tracy. I don't understand why he does what he does. Why is he a cop? Why does he care yeah, what mm-hmm. these gangsters do to his city? Which which is like I said, I was going to bring this in. Something that happened in the comics. So they introduce the character of Big Boy in the comic, and then the very next uh, comic, they go back and tell the origin story. Like they of Tracy, yeah. They show yeah. how you know he was there when Tess's father is murdered by big boys, uh, mobsters, and that is why he decides to join the police force, and then ultimately becomes you know the world's greatest detective, um, Batman. Uh, so. Right. <laughs> No, yeah. he killed more people than Batman, so that's... It's, yeah, he's yeah. the world's greatest police <laughs> officer. Yeah, greatest police Not officer. Detective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yeah, that's true. He is great. Although they try to... They, oh, they... so... Go ahead. Let's let's hit on that for just a second, though. They do, like... Gould does flat rip off Batman. I, and I mean way back when. There's a character in the 40s that is like a straight rip off of Two-Face. Yeah. Except he's more graphic. Like, I would actually argue that he's worse than Two-Face. But down to having a suit that is, like, evenly divided into the whole thing. Like, it's so crazy, the stuff that he just straight rips off of Batman. So it's kind of poetic justice that it also rips off Batman 89 (laughs) in in movie form, you know? I mean, you're talking about the Rose Gallery. I mean, 
with both Batman and Dick Tracy having such a vast rose gallery, there you can't help. There's got to be <laughs> some some matchups in that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and right. to be fair, like both of them do fight the mob quite a bit. I mean, like Falcone is clearly yeah. like a big Batman villain, so you know there's going to just be some overlap there, but who knows? Yeah. So another thing I wanted to bring up were some of the plot holes uh, towards the, the in the finale of the movie. <laughs> so first off, again, going to that whole, you know, by the book uh, type cop that Dick Tracy's supposed to be, uh, his partners essentially break him out of prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't go about it in a legal manner. They, they break right. him out of prison, which means everything he does from that point on is illegal totally illegal and would not hold up in a court of law (laughs) at all the the room that tess is in which is locked by a vault door Mm -hmm. has a skylight (laughs) yeah yeah i put skylights in all my safe (laughs) i don't know what you guys are talking about has a skylight because because what i'm hiding needs to see sunlight i mean that's just that's (laughs) that's it's humanitarian yeah so uh, all, the creepiest moment of this movie is when Al Pacino's big boy like is professing his love to Tess. Out of the blue. Yeah. Bro, yeah. like where did yeah. that come Bethany from? Bethany even and made that comment. She was like, where did so that come creepy, from? I was man. like, I think he, it's just because he's crazy. Like he's just, he's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, because we don't have like in Batman 89 where you've got all the kind of build up of the Joker actually well, being infatuated with uh, Veronica Vale. Vicky Vale. Uh, yeah, Vicky And, it, and it's even weirder to me that the entire time uh, Breathless is just an object to him. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no affection. He, she's just a tool to, you know. So, and th- so then to be kidnapping Dick Tracy's girlfriend and through the course apparently of uh you know trolleying through a <laughs> yeah. tunnel together he has fallen in love with her and feels the need to profess his love which, it's way weird which man. brings me to another plot hole when tracy uh g- goes into the wine cellar and he's trying mm-hmm. to to find that door right um and then all of a sudden he hears the foghorn yeah. how does that tell him anything <laughs> <laughs> like, I know he knows where, he the, knows exactly the, I know where, where they the are. secret yeah. room goes to. Yeah, I know where. It's yeah, so it's like, weird. Yeah. Not only does he know, the kid and Breathless both end up there. Right. Yeah. And how right. did they end up there? <laughs> like, how did they well, know? Apparently, the kid just is really good at following Dick Tracy places. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's done that yes, all movie. Yes. To to be fair, and and but, Breathless yeah. has some of the greatest costume changes I've ever seen. Yeah, she's to quick go from a from a dress she's to quick. a full suit and mask and hat. I mean, and and gets up some stairs pretty quick too. Oh, I didn't bring this up when we were talking about the colors. Uh, so they they're giving away that the blank is Breathless throughout the entire movie. Because every time you see the blank, the color purple is in the scene. And the color purple is only in scenes with Breathless. Okay. Yeah. Bethany pointed out that James Conn's character is wearing purple. And then I went, mm, not for long. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> but technically, she's also in that scene. Yeah, she's just in the corner of the room. Yeah. Like, so. So. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> so well, that, we're, but, it's so yeah. weird, man. I know you're in plot holes, so, but I wanted to go, sorry. I wanted to go back to Mandy Patinkin. We kind of briefly talked about him, but yeah. I have to talk about. It was great to hear ben, Mandy Patinkin sing in this movie, which is probably one of the highlights for me of this movie is the song that he does with uh, Madonna in the movie. Yeah, and I was, was about to say he gets to it, say he it, did a duet. Yeah, with it Madonna. was great until she came in, but oh, that's another story. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but the subtle. Well, I guess somewhat subtle, but it's that he was his love, his infatuation with her was the only reason that he was helping her. So that's when you said, is, was he really a bad guy? I think we had, we had that discussion earlier. I was like, I wouldn't, I think he was more kind of caught up in the infatuation and just kind of going along with what she wanted him to do. But he thinks he's but helping he, he the blank. Know. He doesn't know it's her. Yeah. He doesn't I, know that it's her. Okay. No, he doesn't know it's her because even after he gives the pitch that the mm-hmm. blank gave him to give to Big Boy, and Big Boy turns it down. As he's walking out, uh, Breathless even says, what she was that about? Okay. And, yeah. you know... He says something about income taxes yeah. or some smart Yeah, yeah, you know, I remember that. Remark. Okay, I got you, got you. Okay, yeah, so, sorry. Yeah. But but no, they, they definitely... I mean, he, he does a good job of selling the fact that he has feelings for Breathless mm-hmm. um, in, in their little subtle moments. I mean, he just pretty much stares at her every time they're in a scene yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. to be fair, it's just because she's the only person there that's kind to him. Like that's, that's true a, too. That's true. Yeah. Just kind that's of that true. typical trope. Yeah. Uh, speaking of tropes, like uh, we were talking about, you know, uh, <laughs> we're gonna start. T- we're gonna start getting, down a whole <laughs> rabbit hole uh, on that getting, one. Getting bizarrely leered over by Al Pacino's character, but like women are not done horribly well in this movie and i mean huge shocker considering warren Beatty is like a notorious womanizer yes yes. but you know i mean it is what it is and so going back to your question from earlier of like who would you want to see more of i thought madonna like grew in her acting ability through the film now i'm also kind of assuming that things were filmed in chronological order and we all know that they weren't but i feel like she had more to give and was arguably one of the strongest characters in the film in terms of depth and yeah yeah and and it's kind of thrown away by her like wanton sexuality and just uh, so and at the end she just dies because she has a soft spot for the hero like not let's also point out that she dies because the kid tackles her Mm -hmm. and then as she goes to get back up that that had given a uh, big boy she, time she to grab the gun him. right so yeah it's all the kids fault yeah but uh <laughs> but i'm age you know she i don't i don't feel like she's done justice tess why does she stay with dick tracy yes. like yes. even at the end he just yes. throws like, the he, ring he, at her he, yes. he kind of sort of proposes yeah. and she's like you're gonna go aren't you and he does yeah. mm-hmm. and and yet they're like together. Like, come on, man. Like, but you know, he did put in that line about, you know, when she's talking to her mother, I was like, it takes a lot of understanding to love a man like that. What did you say? Mother? It takes a lot of understanding to love a man like that. And then she gets up and leaves yeah. and, and goes back. And I was like, okay, How does that, that's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great. Like even, no. even with him being who he is, as she's always mm-hmm. talking about, like I would, th- I would have liked better at the end when he's getting a call about a bank robbery, for him to just blow it off. Like mm-hmm. y'all right. can handle this one. I've got other, mm-hmm. I've yep. got bigger things to worry about. Right. You know, right. I and to have him and Tess and the kid 
you know, go out as a quote unquote family, get into the car and then they drive off together instead of Mm. it being the kid. Instead of a kid leading him towards a (laughs) bank robbery. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, I mean, in the comics, Tracy is always putting Junior in harm's way. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, like, it's, I, it's yeah. wild. I, one of the stories I read, uh, a bellhop had been murdered. And they keep talking about, why would they kill him? He's just a kid. He's just Because, you know, bellhops were you know, yeah. like teenage yeah, boys yeah. back then. And then Tracy gets this plan of, um, we're going to lure, lure the killer out. We need a bellhop. Somebody call Junior. And they they called Junior to be bait. Because, yeah, because 12 year olds make great undercover cops. I mean, come on, man. Like, so. All right. uh, Last thing I want to get in before we get into our final decision. And that is the future of Dick Tracy. So, (laughs) yeah. So here we are, 2023, in which Warren Beatty has brought the character back. Yes. Uh, for the third time. I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. all three for the third time. So Warren Beatty gets the rights in 85. He makes the movie. Uh, after the movie, there was some legal issues with him and uh, the company about whether he'd still retained the rights. He he eventually won, but it got so late in. Disney didn't want to do a, a sequel. Um, there was at one point, I don't know if either one of y'all found this, uh, Bruce Campbell wanted to make it a TV show. With, okay. with yeah. Bruce Campbell yeah. playing Dick Tracy. And mm-hmm. I'm just going, <laughs> how perfect casting is that? Square-jawed right. guy. Right. Yeah. And right. Warren Brady wouldn't allow it because he was dead set on he wanted to make a, a sequel. sequel. Uh, which I want to get into the whole sequel in a minute. But, <laughs> but continuing on. So then his rights work the same way as like Marvel did back in the 90s and uh, yeah. early 2000s of where they would license it out. And as long as those characters were being used that whoever bought the rights still retained the rights. So that's why we got all the horrible Fantastic Four movies. That's why we had Hit and Miss with the X-Men movies uh, so that Fox could maintain those rights. That's why Sony is still holding on to Spider-Man because they mm-hmm. keep doing Spider-Man's uh, related and, stuff. Yeah. So apparently the rights were about to end and he hadn't done anything. <laughs> so in 2008, <laughs> Warren Beatty, did a AMC special called the Dick Tracy special. TM- mm-hmm. TMC. Oh, TMC. Turner sorry. Classic movies. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. So uh, on TCM where it was just an interview with Leonard Malton, Leonard Malton, yeah. Dick Tracy, mm-hmm. like an hour, a 30 minute, or, yeah, 30 show. minute. Yeah. It was a 30 minute show that aired once, one time. Once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One time. Did you see who the cinematographer was? Uh, I did, but I can't remember. Emmanuel Lebeski. That, yeah. Three-time yeah. Oscar-winning yeah. cinematographer <laughs> who was the cinematographer for The Revenant, maybe the most beautiful yes. shot movie of all time. Yes. Yes, is the cinematographer yeah. for, for two interview. people sitting in front of a black, <laughs> a black background. background. It's this, dude, it's crazy. Whoa. So then, then this year, 2023, it happened back in February, I know one of the the movie uh, groups that I'm on on Facebook just were talking about that this is happening. They did it again. Uh, this time it was uh, Ben uh, Mankiewicz, and it was Dick Tracy on a Zoom call with Ben <laughs> Mankiewicz, and this was the Dick Tracy special 
Tracy zooms in. Wow. It's so weird. And again, this is so that Warren Beatty can hold Hold on on to the rights rights for Dick Tracy. It is 2023. Warren Beatty is, what, 86 years old, I think? Yeah, he's got to be in his 80s. Mm Because he was in his early 50s when they made the the movie Mm -hmm. 34 years ago. So, I mean... Yes, yeah, so... He just turned 86. March 30th, uh, 1937 is his birthday. So he just turned 86. So 86-year-old Warren Warren Beatty, is he holding on to the rights out of pride? Out of... Because he clearly is not going to play Dick Tracy. (laughs) Well, we do have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny coming (laughs) out this summer. So he's, he's... Unfortunately, he's got some other people that are doing it his, at his yeah. age. But So what do we yeah. see as a sequel, though? Because, uh, yeah, you know what? You're not too far off. Uh, Harrison, Ford, <laughs> Harrison Ford was born in 42, so he is just a few years younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what I do we do know, for man. a sequel? It's, because you have used all your characters yeah. in the first <laughs> and movie killed them all and the killed end. them pretty much all. <laughs> Unless you will all of a sudden get to have Mumbles be the main protagonist. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean you you have to you have to reboot at this point. I mean, there's no way it can be a real sequel. Okay, here's my pitch. Okay, Let's so Laramie, come in full circle on something you brought up earlier about when they went uh, a little sci-fi. So, <laughs> so are we getting into time travel if, now, <laughs> dude? If you so Laramie, we were talking before about how how much of the strips you managed to read. And you got into oh, yeah, what, like maybe the early fifties? Yeah, I, well, actually, I don't think I made it past the forties. Um, so, if you scan forward, it it very much Gould becomes a product of his era, yes. whatever era that is. So, in the seventies, you have uh, like bushy mustaches, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, Dick well, Tracy the, does grow a mustache at one point. In the yeah, comics. and it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, in the sixties, what is like the overarching thing in American culture? The space yeah, race. So, so there are aliens. Dick Tracy goes to the moon at, at which point, because just in the comics, just like in the movie, he's a little bit of a womanizer. Uh, he meets the moon maid and, uh, who is clearly a like sixties go-go girl with an alien head. And yeah, <laughs> and it's a whole like storyline. It's so weird, man. So Dick Tracy goes to the moon. That's the next. Movie, and then so. and then right here in the eighties, I know there were comics in which uh, he's in flying vehicles. And oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so also to come full circle from the very beginning of our conversation. So there's a little bit of a loophole. This movie is directly based on a comic book because. Disney made comic books in the mid eighties that were already written on the script that would eventually be used. Right. Right. So there's a three, uh, comic book series called, um, gosh, what is it? It's like something hearts and Tommy guns, uh, troubled hearts and Tommy guns or something like that. I'm I'm losing it now, but it's basically the prequels like issues one One, and two. two, Yeah. And then three uh, is an adaptation of the movie. Yeah. Three Mm -hmm. is the movie. So, so it was in the comics yeah. and if you were smart enough to go back, like you could have read the book before you watched the movie. Yeah. So. I, yeah. I, did, I found out about that as I was doing my research, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to, 
try to search these out um, to read them. And, and I, I get what you're saying. I don't agree with that because, again, they were made for the movie. Uh, did you see who wrote them? Yes. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, so they were written by uh, Max Allen Collins, who's the guy who wrote Road to Perdition. Yeah, the whole thing is is so weird. How 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 oh True Hearts, True Hearts and Tommy Guns yeah. was the name of the the run. It's so weird. But do you think we're gonna get anything else, Dick Tracy, or are we gonna have to wait for Warren Beatty to die? And, well, I mean, this gets into some weird uh, stuff, like <laughs> legal stuff. But does his estate maintain the rights when he does die? Like that, you know? I don't know. Do we want another Dick Tracy property? <laughs> I think is the question. So, so that's what I wanted to get into. So could I, and I think this is going to kind of get into final decision here. I think <laughs> the Dick Tracy, this movie is probably one of the best comic book adaptations because it is dead on a live action comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah, you, I actually you could then argue no. that Frank Miller would then do it in 300 and Sin City, but it it's not the same to me. Mm-hmm. And I think Frank Miller is very and this is not a knock on Frank no. Miller. Please like don't misunderstand me, <laughs> but he clearly is massively influenced by Dick Tracy. Uh, yeah. Maybe not the 1990 movie. No, 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 no. but the per se, yeah, but, all those noir. Oh, I mean, yeah. Sin noir, City, yeah, 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 come for on. sure. Sin City is clearly a product of the Frank Millerization yeah. of that. But what I'm talking about with the movies is 300 and Sin City. Yeah. they were shot to mimic the comic, right? So right. scenes, panel for yeah, panel, panel yeah. which yeah. makes those movies feel forced in terms of their right. look. Whereas this one, this doesn't. one doesn't, this one doesn't. Yeah, and yet it is so true to the comics. So, so I was actually going to bring up for the long time listener, because I haven't been on in a while for the long time listener, me and Tim did an episode about going dark and yeah. the mm-hmm. idea of realism right. and everything. And I feel like this is the antithesis to that. Mm-hmm. Like from, from the decision to make the character or the, the villains, very comic strip accurate. Yes. Like yes. to the nitty gritty. It is the exact opposite. Like let's, we're going to use the exact same color palette that yeah. the comic used. Mm-hmm. We're going to make the characters unapologetically look exactly cartoonish. Like they did, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't try to real world anything. So yeah. why yeah. did this not work for shoemaker with, uh, Be- with the, because he the tried- Batman sequels? Because he tried to change something that was already established in a franchise. Because um, that, that's my thought. Yeah, because Schumacher went to the the bright colors and the you know off yeah, the but wall. He was, but he was he was making sequels off of what started as more of a dark. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think that has a lot to do with like Tim Burton cast a very specific vision. Yes. Yeah. And then any if you're going to deviate from that, you have to stay with the core of it at the very least. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of were like, nope, we're going to do our own thing. Mm-hmm. And it so it's two very different visions. And so had he made his Batman movies first, 
maybe, but there's mm-hmm. sequels to yeah. the Burton yeah. Batman. Or if it was like a like what we call now a reboot of rebooting that character, then it would have been different because it would have been his yeah. vision instead of saying, "Oh, well, you, you know, you didn't stay with what the original, you know, Tim Burton's." Yeah, which was. which of course we know happens. Mm-hmm. Like we we all you know kind of revere the Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know obviously very different than Burton's vision. Mm-hmm. So can we see something like Dick Tracy happen again now that we have this dark and gritty or more realistic superhero like they do with Marvel? Marvel's not so much dark and gritty, but they try to mm. make things as more grounded, even with the mm. the fantasy elements and the and then DC. I mean, DC's about to get this big reboot. So do we see James Gunn going a little bit more colorful now, and bright? Well, you got to look at his Suicide Squad that he did was very bright. Like he was trying to bring a lot of color to it. Now it's still it's not a kid friendly movie at all. Um, it's not. It's <laughs> not. A, yeah, and it's not a bright like you know. It's, I wouldn't call it a fun movie, but he was trying to brighten up that yeah. that look. Uh, but I I agree with Chad. I think I think it would be a gamble, but I think it'd be, be a good gamble to do that. To say let's do something that's totally different. Let's not try to do what everybody else is doing. And let's make a, you know, more noir, uh, bright color, you know, stay with the with the comic um, and do it that way. And and I'm kind of basing that off of and I, it's, I hate to say it that way because it's like, well, see what they did with um, everything everywhere all at once that won the Oscars this year it was such a different movie. And I did watch it. and It's very weird. And it's I don't think it really, I don't think it earned, I don't think it earned some of the awards that it earned, but they did kind of do what people said couldn't be done and it and the mm-hmm. gamble paid off for them and it made an interesting movie that's very it's watchable um and obviously you know it, it kind of divided audiences which is you know typical but it was a gamble that worked so uh, so yeah. i'm i'm just thinking about you know again i'm with me being the superman guy i'm thinking mm-hmm. about you've got you had the superman 78 which stayed bright colorful mm-hmm. uh you know his suit was the blue red mm-hmm. the yellows all popped uh even lex luther was usually dressed very colorful and so you had all of that then batman 89 comes out you get this much darker version of batman that i know frank miller had kind of already established in the comics some but you know solid black suit pretty much with the the yellow emblem now we get into the Marvel Cinematic Universe where things are a little bit more realistic. Yes, there's still the color, but it's almost... I would say that early MCU was a little bit more colorful than current MCU is. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, and I could almost just use the Captain America suit as my my meter there. <laughs> right. uh, you just follow the Captain America suit throughout the the different movies. Um. But then you've got the DCEU in which I know Snyder with his kind of dark tone and all that, but they took those suits, you know, Aquaman suit, Wonder Woman suit, Superman suit, and they had to match the color palette of the movie. And so everything's more subtle, more toned down. Does James Gunn, when he does Superman Legacy, does he go back to a brighter, colorful suit? I think he will. I think that's. I think James Gunn wants to do that. 
that's my personal opinion. I mean, I, don't, I haven't talked to him lately to know for sure. Because, <laughs> <but laughs> I mean, they kind of did that with the Flash television show. You know, mm-hmm. the Flash television show comes in and they make it a little bit more realistic. Then as the popularity grew, they matched a little bit more in tone with uh, Arrow. They Arrow. they made Arrow have more of a greener suit than he mm-hmm. originally had. Until eventually on Flash, they just went full comic book. Like he got mm-hmm. the yellow boots. He got the, mm-hmm. you know, not not necessarily looking all techie suit. Right. You know, looking more like the red and... Uh, you know, one piece suit. Um, and so, and, and then, Man. and then you got Shazam. I mean, Shazam kept with more of the lighter tone and the almost brighter colors. So mm-hmm. I, I, we're kind of getting into a little mini one shot. <laughs> yeah, I was about here. to say to, to wrangle it back to your original question. Like, could you make Dick Tracy again? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that there are creatives that could do something that I'm not currently thinking of, but it'd really have to be out of the box because uh-huh. this just, it's a very flawed movie as we have mocked it and made fun <laughs> of certain parts yeah. already, but it is, it's very memorable for a reason. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, we, we've already went through all that incredibly well-made movie. Uh, it's very original for the reasons that we're listing. And, I kind of don't know that you could just recreate that. And it's a very much a movie of a time. That's, That's true. true. There, yeah. There's no Warren Beatty today. There's nobody who can call all of his <laughs> Well, there is. Buddies. He just played Dick Tracy a few months ago. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. So unless he decides to come out of retirement. But, I mean, you know, he th- that era of Hollywood is, is totally different. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. He can't just call uh, the equivalent al pacino which i don't think there is one of by the way <laughs> right and, and be like hey i've got a crazy idea like let's do this mm-hmm. uh, you know what i mean like those things uh, you it they even talk about how a much newer movie like of our generation you know oceans 11 had kind of the same problem this giant crazy cast mm-hmm. that like nobody could have afforded mm-hmm. you know if you if you paid them what they're worth kind of stuff like that movie couldn't be made today because of the the way that uh, agents have changed things and all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't know. I think this is just kind of one of those weird, like standalone legendary things mm. that will just remain on, on its own. And I kind of wonder, and this is completely just me trying to get in Warren Beatty's head, but I wonder if that's not why he retains the rights. So that there won't be a he, sequel. He just doesn't want to see somebody come and yeah, do rip it off and ruin right, it. Right. Right. Yeah. That was kind of my thought as well when I asked that original question was that that's my thought is that he he wants this 90s Dick Tracy to be Dick Tracy at least as long as he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. 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 So uh, we're, we're kind of already getting into this. So let's just yeah. go ahead and get into our final decisions uh, back at Stack It or Trade It. And since, Tim, you were about to speak, I will let you go first. And I'm sure your thoughts that you were about to share uh, tie into your decision here. Well, all, yeah, all I was going to say was I think when you ask, could, could Dick Tracy be, or could a sequel be made? I'll say a reboot. And I'm thinking the character of Dick Tracy, the story, you could, you could make a similar story. I to, to Chad's point. You can't, yeah, you're not going to be able to recreate this movie, which most reboots don't. And that's why they, they usually fail. Sure. Um, but the, the, the challenge of that is the Dick, I mean, 
he was not very well known in the 90s when it came out and he's definitely not well known now i mean it's not even yeah comic strips aren't even something that people even much read anymore so it would be a totally kind of rebranding effort and just it almost be like a brand new character for a whole new generation and could you even set it in the 40s or are you taking today's generation too far back in the past where they would have any kind of connection whatsoever so i was going to say there as far as bag it stack it and trade it um I would have to say that I would bag this one. And that's just because like we kind of talked about, I think it's, does it have its flaws? Yes, it does. But it's nostalgic for a reason. It's of its time. It, it, it's very, very rewatchable even with all its flaws. Um, But I think it's, I think it, it, for us to come back and still want to talk about it and have good things to say about it as much as Mm -hmm. the bad things to say about it. I think it's worthy of that, of that honor. Chad? Yeah, I I totally see where you're coming from on the Bagot. And, you know, this is very uh, ethereal, theory, you know, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. But I would say it's a stack it in the, in the best kind of way. <laughs> like, this is one that I just want to show everybody yeah. and be like, Have yeah. you, this is bonkers. Have you seen this? And just, you know what I mean? Like, it's not something that I cherish in that sense. I got like, you this is one of a kind and you know, that sort of thing. It's just like, and, and to be fair, it kind of is like, you can make that argument too. Uh, it is very one of a kind, but it's something that you just want to be like, dude, have you heard of this? This movie is crazy. Like, and just, and just show it off. So it's, it's a stack it in the best kind of way. In my opinion, I'm right there with you. That was, I, I weighed, do I want to say bag it? Uh, (laughs) but I went with stack it as well. And I'm kind of in the same boat that Chad just talked about. It's a great movie, and I would recommend this movie for anyone. As I said a little bit uh, a few minutes ago, I think it's one of the best adaptations of a comic. Um, yeah. But I don't think about this movie that much. Uh, I don't reach for it when I'm planning out a movie night uh, to to tell you actually this other thing. So I have started uh, taking – I'm a big movie buff, as both the guys know – um, not just superhero stuff, but I'm a huge movie buff. You don't say. And and I've got I've got all of my you know two three thousand movies uh, in a room, all in these sh- uh, shelves. But I decided to take a shelf and make it just my superhero, my comic book uh, movies, so that I would be able to get to those really quick um, for the sake of the podcast. Well, when I went to grab Dick Tracy, I discovered I never pulled it. It was still in my general collection when i was pulling all of my comic book at it i pulled brenda star and i forgot to pull dick tracy um it was still in my general collection so again it's not one that i really think about yeah i will also point this out and i know chad will probably disagree with me and have something to say i didn't like that there was no background stories for anyone i know i know chad has said before he's good with he doesn't need everybody's origin um, and I'm not saying I wanted everybody's origin. I was fine with yeah. Tracy being established, being an established character. And I mean, you could maybe argue that Junior gets a origin story in this, but I didn't give yeah. a didn't give a crap. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. give me give me a little bit more of this being Big Boy's origin story, or do one of the other characters let let it be Flat Top, and maybe they could have used it as Flat Top being set up to be the main villain if there was a sequel. Yeah. You know, give me something more cuz 
it wasn't just how flat Warren Beatty was. To me, the story is a little flat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that's what holds me to that stacket. Again, I agree with Chad. It, it's a high tier stacket um, because I am going to at anyone who's Bethany had never seen it. Oh, wow. I discovered. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I was telling her, I was like, I got to watch Dick Tracy. And I was just planning on watching it by myself. Uh-huh. And I started talking to Bethany about a couple of things. And she, she just looks at me. She goes, you know, I've never seen it. I was like, you, you've never seen Dick Tracy. <laughs> uh, and so we, we watched it together again. The whole family was sitting in the room uh, as we watched it, but I could tell like Bethany didn't get all that interested in it because it mm-hmm. is just, it is such a flat story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you. It has to do one of two things. It needs to either have some origin so that you buy into the characters or it needs to build towards something happening yes. that you get invested in the characters. Mm-hmm. So you got to go one of two ways. You either have to give me Dick Tracy's origin so I understand why he's passionate about doing what he's doing or uh, just to rip off what you were saying, you have to keep you have to build flat top up and keep him alive at the end so that I'm knowing that I'm going somewhere yes. else. Mm-hmm. Cause that's my thing about the sequel is what do you do Where in you a go? sequel yeah. when you've killed everybody? Yeah. I don't, I don't see yeah. a sequel plan out of this movie. You know, he said he wanted to make sequels, but I was like, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. There's not, there's, I mean, they w- there's no story to continue. Yeah, They wanted the, this the to be a triangle. franchise. Yeah. The love triangle is done. Right. Like you've resolved that you've resolved the kid. Mm -hmm. Like he's just part of the family. Now he's not going anywhere. You've killed all the villains. Like, (laughs) you know, so it's just all wrapped up. Except mumbles. Like I said, mumbles, as far as we know, is is just in police custody. There it is. Dick Tracy. Is he actually a bad guy or is he just like their mascot and was like, cause he never does. He becomes their informant (laughs) is what essentially happens. He becomes their informant. Uh, so, but yeah, I, yeah, something, I just, I I just, there needed to be something because there is nothing. And that's, that's the thing. This movie, you you watch it and then you just go, okay, um, that's it. Like you don't, like you're saying, you don't get that feel afterwards of, I want to know what happens next or, Ooh, I want to see more of this or, and again, I know Tim, you said rewatchable. Yes, I could rewatch it, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to go out of my way to watch yeah, it. I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you guys, you know, choice at all. I mean, I, I, it's, I, yeah, it was borderline for me. And I, I think in yeah, the last yeah. moment I was like, I'll just, you know, because we've, we have kind of, you know, I would say we've crapped on it, but we, we, no, we've no, talked no, about we, its flaws, yeah. but we've also talked yeah, about, yeah. Yeah. we've also talked we about, been very critical. Yeah, yeah. We've also talked about the things that are very, that are, that are very well. And I think, coming off thinking about a sequel and like Chad saying, it's very much a movie of its time. It is kind of stamped in a nostalgic place for me. So that, I think that kind yeah. of over overrides some of that of why yeah. I would, I would bag it. And but, that was, that was part of, I had to, I had to push back the separate. nostalgia yeah. part of yeah. it. Cause again, I was a huge Dick Tracy fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You too. know, I wanted the, the hat and the mm. jacket and the watch uh, when when I got my first Apple Watch, I, that's the, immediately what I thought about. Oh yeah, yeah. Was well, Dick Tracy? I can. I talk. think about it now when I use it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, I, I can talk. We to made people. them out of cardboard when I was a kid. Like <laughs> we would cut out Dick Tracy watches oh, yeah. and play with outside. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to this. I actually put this in my notes. We didn't bring it up, but I'll bring it up now. 
um, Martin Cooper, who was, you know, main uh, mind behind the invention of wireless technology and cell phones, he has said that it was <laughs> that watch mm-hmm. that inspired him. Yeah. Yeah. To to do what he eventually did, uh, the the watch take that Star Trek, yeah, yeah. What <laughs> the, the, the watch was introduced uh, January thirteenth, nineteen forty six, and then it even got a, a screen, a TV screen added to yeah, it yeah. in the sixties. A two way TV screen, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Could I, there your yeah. your original Zoom call right there, yeah, uh, yeah. So. And we've come full. There we go. All right. All right. Well, let's wrap it up uh, for this. Um, we're just going to go ahead. This is going to be a longer episode, but yeah, that's what happens when you get the three of us together. And we're talking about a movie that we do love. Uh, yes. We're, we're going yeah. to make, make that clear. We do love this movie, but like Chad has said from the beginning, it's bonkers. And so oh, there's, a, there's a lot that we could you know pick through oh. um, from a, a critical perspective. But... Uh, but thanks everybody for joining us rate and review the show Uh, we always appreciate that and I'm just going to go ahead and end it now for today for moving panels I'm Laramie Wells and I'll see you on the other side of the page What seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture-themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories.